hello you know what i was thinking um after reading your freaking message um where you said that you really fell asleep while listening to my audios i'm like you know what maybe you like my conversational voice because i feel like my readings were so lame i feel like maybe what you like is my conversational voice not my reading voice um which makes these like podcasts super lame because all i'm doing is reading um and i came back on here because i have a reading to do i'm reading a couple pages but i was like damn i'm like i think what you know like what's pleasing is my conversational voice not my freaking reading voice um oh well <laughs> we'll see i mean i'm gonna try to read like as animated as i literally can't though um anyway that's just my theory but okay um i'm gonna start reading um so i'm this class is about second language acquisition so it's about um you know students who aren't whose first language isn't english and kind of like you know ways to help them and like all these different like programs and like you know um like acts and stuff like things that they're entitled to um things like that that's what this class is about so that's kind of what my book is about um yeah and then i'm just reading about these like three theories that i have to talk about um in my discussion um to ensure that ells receive effective language and content instruction all teachers must have an understanding of theories and research related to how students develop proficiency in a new language Philosophers, since at least the time of Plato, have speculated on this issue, and early linguists proposed theories in the early 1900s. Linguists today continue to conduct research and debate exactly how young children are able to acquire their first language and how people acquire or learn a second or additional language. Each of these theories provides important insights for effective practice. We begin with a brief discussion of Noah's Chomsky's revolutionary contributions to the fields of first language acquisition. From there, we turn to major contributions to the fields of second language acquisition that largely reflect a cognitive psychological perspective. Next, we discuss social-cultural perspectives on language learning and teaching that challenge traditional cognitive approaches. Although these perspectives come from different theoretical orientations and use different terminology, both provide important insights that have been influential on how teachers structure opportunities for students to learn and use language for academic purposes in the classroom environment. Then we discuss the application of these theories by looking at several approaches and methods in language learning and teaching that have been influential in K-12 education. We conclude with a discussion about how teachers can move beyond traditional approaches and develop their own principled approach grounded in an understanding of language and language development. First, language acquisition theories. Newborn babies are unable to speak, but by the time they are five years old, assuming no cognitive or developmental disorders, they have a fully developed language system. Two major theories have evolved to explain this amazing achievement. In the behavioristic perspective, the well-known psychologist B.F. Skinner and others hypothesize that children learn their first language through imitation and positive reinforcement. Young children imitate the speech they hear around them, and adults positively reinforce their meaningful utterances, helping them develop habits of correct speech, 
This view was prominent throughout the 1940s and 1950s, but was challenged by Noam Chomsky in 1959. Chomsky, widely recognized as one of the world's most influential linguists, demonstrated that children are able to produce language and unique utterances that go well beyond what they could reasonably have been exposed to and imitated. He hypothesized that children have an innate ability. They are pre-wired to learn language. Chomsky's theories, often referred to as the innatist perspective, suggest the presence of a language acquisition device that enables children to figure out the underlying, the underlying rules of the language on their own because of their exposure to samples of natural language. He refers to these underlying rules as universal grammar. Once the language acquisition device is activated and children internalize the rules for the structure, syntax of their language or languages, they can generate an infinite number of unique grammatically correct utterances. Chomsky's theories were revolutionary and they led to a rejection of the behaviorist perspectives on language acquisition. Although his work remains influential with most linguists agreeing that children have some form of genetic predisposition for language learning, new research is, more, is emerging from within linguists, linguistics and other academic fields. Those who accept Chomsky's Chomsky's ideas at some level vigorously debate exactly how they work, while others challenge the core of his ideas. <clears throat> Second language acquisition theories. Lightbound and Spada identify four major perspectives from which theories about second language acquisition have emerged. Behavior is dumb, the innatist perspective, the cognitive developmental perspective, and the social cultural perspective. Atkinson makes a simpler distinction between traditional cognitivist approaches to SLA, beginning with Chomsky's challenges to behaviorism, and a range of alternative alter oh my goodness, and a range of alternatives to SLA, which includes social cultural approaches. To keep things simple, in the sections that follow, we first explore cognitive theories and approaches to SLA, and then turn to social cultural perspectives on language learning and teaching. While these various theories present sometimes very different and contrasting ideas, knowledge of both perspectives on language learning and teaching provides teachers with the foundation they need to form their own personal approach to instructing ELLs. Interaction hypothesis. Researchers have argued that interaction is essential for SLA to occur, and thus they have studied the ways in which speakers modify their speech and their interaction patterns to help learners participate in conversation. Long, who developed the interaction hypothesis, agrees that comprehensible input is needed, but he focuses on how input can be made comprehensible through modified interaction arguing that learners need opportunities to interact with other speakers and reach mutual comprehension. In modified interaction, particularly interactions between a language learner and a proficient speaker, speakers may make several modifications as they converse to get their meanings across. Some of these modifications may include simplifying the language, reducing the rate of speech, and using gestures. Proficient speakers might repeat or paraphrase what they say and use comprehension checks, asking the learner during the conversation, do you understand? 
The learner may make clarification requests with questions such as, can you repeat that please? Or, I'm sorry, what did you say? Or even a simple, huh? Tea? Along with a puzzled look. The proficient speaker also provides corrective feedback, which may take the form of direct correction or indirect correction through more subtle means, such as repeating what the learner said, but recasting it in the correct form. All these corrections are made within the natural flow of the conversation. For example, if the learner says, I go to doctor yesterday, the proficient speaker might respond, you went to the doctor yesterday? Why? Are you sick? Are you sick in the head? <laughs> okay, I'm done. Oh, now to answer my discussion. Oh, man. Okay, bye. Oh, look at that. You replied. You don't even remember falling asleep. You're such a fake. I'm just kidding. Okay, bye.